This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in your podcast app. Common sense is shared knowledge about people in the physical world enabled by the biological brain. It includes intuitive psychology, intuitive physics, intuitive sociality. Unlike deep artificial neural networks, common sense requires only limited experience. A toddler may see a dog once or a few times and then will recognize dogs, big or small, in the dark or in sunlight. In contrast, a network may require 10,000 of examples. Three-year-old children already understand that people, unlike objects, have intentions and desires and infer intentions from other people's gaze, bodily movements, or tone of voice. These inferences are made by heuristics. How to tell a genuine smile from a merely polite one by observing whether or not the eyebrows move. Most of the time, the heuristics that underlie common sense are unconscious, that is, intuitive. And so is much of scientific creativity. As Albert Einstein said, the intuitive mind is a sacred gift and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We have created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. Einstein was so right. But the mistrust against intuition, or common sense more broadly, has reappeared in psychology. For instance, in dual system theories of thinking, which portray intuition as suspect and formal logic as always correct. Similarly, representatives of tech companies contrast our allegedly dubious feelings with trustworthy algorithms to convince us that we should be anxious to give away our private data and let machines make our personal decisions. Even some of the tech industry's most outspoken critics who brand the business as evil surveillance capitalism assume, nevertheless, the near omniscience of AI. Based on faith, or fear. The storyline remains the same. It goes like this. AI has beaten the best humans in chess and go. Computing power doubles every couple of years. Therefore, machines will soon do everything better than humans. This is also the storyline for the alleged coming of a superintelligence and a dream that we could finally live forever in silicon instead of carbon, from Kurzweil's singularity to Harari's Homo Deus. The two premises of the storyline are correct, but the conclusion is not. The reason is that computing power goes some way, or a long way, for some kind of problems, but not for others. To date, the stunning victories of AI have been in well-defined games with stable rules, such as chess and go, with similar successes in face and voice recognition in relatively unchanging conditions or in industry applications. When the environment is stable, AI can surpass 
human performance. However, if surprises happen, big data, which is always data from the past, may mislead us about the future. I call this insight the stable world principle. Complex algorithms work best in well-defined stable situations where large amounts of data are available. Human intelligence has evolved in contrast to deal with ill-defined, uncertain situations independent of whether big or small data are available. The stable world principle helps us to understand what tasks deep neural networks and similar statistical techniques can do well and what is just techno-religious faith or commercial hype. For instance, after IBM's Watson won the TV game Jeopardy, Jeannie Rometty, IBM CEO, announced the next moonshot. Watson would revolutionize medicine by changing almost everything about healthcare. The prestigious cancer clinic, MD Anderson, spent $62 million on Watson for oncology before discovering that many of Watson's recommendations were unsafe, endangering the lives of patients, which led Oren Ocioni, the uh, head of the Allen Institute for AI, uh, say that Watson is the Donald Trump of the AI industry. And finally, in 2022, IBM announced that it was selling the core data assets of Watson Health Division to a private equity firm, acknowledging that the marketing department had overstated the case. Jeopardy is a well-defined game with stable rules. Cancer treatment is not. The stable world principle has an important implication, the adapt to AI principle. To improve the performance of AI, one needs to make the physical environment more stable and people's behavior more predictable. That is, the more we hand over decisions to algorithms, the more we have to adapt. Consider the promise of self-driving cars. A self-driving car is one that can drive safely everywhere and under all traffic conditions without a human as a backup. That's important to keep this definition in mind. This is called level five automation, while current cars are level two and already level three is a big challenge. Nevertheless, every year, Tesla CEO Elon Musk announces level five cars are just down the road. But that's marketing hype. In my opinion, there will be no self-driving cars, that is level five automation. Rather, a much more interesting and more fundamental change is likely to happen. Our cities and roads will have to be redesigned to create the stable and predictable environment that algorithms need. And that's called level four 
automation, such as wired highways from which human drivers are banned and entire cities designed around level four cars where humans are no longer allowed to drive. The fact that we need to adapt to the possibility of AI is a much deeper disruption than the fiction of self-driving cars. And after all, my opinion is, why more cars and why not better public transport? Let me ask, can psychology be helpful for designing predictive algorithms? So can that, what underlies common sense, help us? The big successes of AI have made little, if any, use of psychology. Deep Blue's programmers did not even call the program an AI, nor did IBM. Google Flu Trends, once hailed as the big success of big data analytics, did correlation statistics with no regard of what we know about the human brain makes predictions. A natural large language model such as GPT-3 are statistical machines that estimate billions of parameters from terabytes of data. Most machine learning textbooks teach statistical tools only. Is there any use for psychology in the design of algorithms? The stable world principle provides a first answer. For well-defined and stable tasks, psychology is not likely to be useful. Yet, the more uncertain a situation is, the more helpful the human brain's heuristics can be. Let me give an example. One of the sources of uncertainty in the human past are Viruses, diseases, war, and other events happening. Google engineers developed an algorithm to predict the spread of the flu. So what they did is they analyzed 50 million search terms to find those that correlate with the flu and tested millions of models until they find the best predicting one and then started to predict. Initially, everything worked well. But then the swine flu hit. The swine flu hit out of the season. The big data algorithm had learned that the flu is high in the winter and low in the summer, but the swine flu came in the summertime. So the algorithm could not adapt to the new situation and the Google engineers revised it. Now, how would you revise a complex algorithm that fails on a complex problem? There are two ways. One is to fight complexity with more complexity. And that way, the Google engineers went. They increased the complexity of the model from 45 predictors to about 160. It didn't help. And also two more updates didn't help. And it was finally closed down in 250. The alternative is, in a situation where a complex model doesn't work, in a situation of uncertainty, 
where the world is instable as flu viruses and also coronaviruses are, then make it simpler. But how? Again, one can look at how the human brain deals with situations which are volatile, which are uncertain. And we know from research that dates back to Thomas Brown's uh, Law of Recency from 1838, that humans in these situations ignore the data far in the past and focus only on the most recent data. This is called the recency heuristic. Now, my colleagues and I have constructed a psychological AI to predict the spread of the flu based on this insight from the human brain. The algorithm is very simple. Predict that the proportion of flu-related doctor visits this week equals that of the most recent week for which we have data. How good is such a psychological AI? Here is the answer. The black lines are the observed values. The blue, the recency heuristic, the red, the Google flu trends. So on the y-axis, you have the percentage of flu-related doctor visits, which ranges between 0 and 8% of all doctor visits. And look at the time of 2009, where in the summer, the uh, swine flu hit, and the red curve is Google flu's trends predictions, which could not adapt to the new situation. In contrast, the reasons the heuristic can quickly adapt to new situations. And across the entire uh, prediction time that Google Flu Trends used, eight years, the result was that in every year, and for all of the three updates, the recency heuristic predicted the spread of the flu better than Google Flu Trends. And the interesting thing is, this is a situation that shows that one can make better predictions under uncertainty with one data point than with big data. This is not the only situation. We find that under uncertainty, the intuitive heuristics humans use are often better than using more data and more complex algorithms. For instance, a group of economists, including uh, Joseph Stiglitz and Nobel laureate, tested the recency heuristic in macroeconomic questions about predicting demand and found exactly the same result. It predicted demand much better than traditional and often very complex macroeconomic models. I give you a final example about psychological AI with now a different type of heuristic, one that doesn't look just at one reason, but at several. When Amazon was still a small company, Jeff Bezos described how he made hiring decisions. And we have modeled his uh, decision-making by a 
fast and frugal tree. A fast and frugal tree asks only a few questions and has an exit that is a decision at each of these questions. So, does the person have some exceptional ability? That was the first question. If not, no higher. And so Bezos asked two more questions. And after each question, a decision could be made. And only after the last year, uh, there is an higher. This uh, type of heuristic is very different from complete decision trees or Bayesian analysis because it doesn't make any trade-offs. For instance, if the person has no exceptional ability, nothing else counts. And this is very much at medical situations where, uh, for instance, if your heart fails, then you can't compensate that with a good uh, kidney. We have used that type of analysis of common sense decision making for in our work with the Bank of England, where the task is to predict the vulnerability of banks. And I'm not going into detail here, but you see the same structure. And you also see if a bank fails on the first criterion, as would have the, U, the Swiss bank UBS before the crisis, which had to be saved afterwards. And despite the bank like UBS satisfies all other criteria, that doesn't matter. There are no trade-offs made. Let me summarize. The stable world principle helps to understand what statistical algorithms can do and what is just commercial and political hype. The adapt to AI principle is a consequence. To make AI working, we need to make the environment and our behavior more predictable. And we need to decide whether we want that. Psychological AI is the use of the heuristics underlying common sense and human intelligence in general in order to improve algorithms. Why it's heuristic? The reason is because the human mind evolved in situations of uncertainty where optimization is out of question. And it's a program to get machine learning and psychology together. Finally, under uncertainty, more data is not always better. As we have seen, one data point can beat big data. Big data and perfect, me and perfect memory is also not how common sense works. The human person that reminds me most of a deep neural network is Solomon Cherishevsky, the famous Russian whose memory appeared to have no limits. When the psychologist Luria asked him to read a page of text, Cherishevsky could recall it word by word. But when asked to summarize the gist of what he has just read, Cherishevsky was more or less at a loss. He had problems with words that have several meanings and with different words that have the same meaning, not to speak of metaphors or poetry. Cherishevsky could precisely recall a complex mathematical formula, even though he could not understand it. 
he was distracted by irrelevant details, not unlike deep neural networks, that are distracted by irrelevant pixels added to handwritten numbers, or fooled by adversarial algorithms that put patches on stop signs. Cherishevsky is an existence proof that evolution could have given all of us perfect memory, but at a steep price. He may have been the closest humans can get to artificial neural networks, perfect in storing and processing big data, but having trouble understanding what it all actually means. Thank you for your attention. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.com.